0: Hey everybody, welcome to Video Night. It is episode 3 of our Star Trek movie series. Uh, this is our kind of side note from Video Night. And uh, we, do, we have like 4 of these episodes total, so we did 2 on the original cast, 1 on the next generation, and we're going to do 1 on the new trilogy. And uh, I'm Michael, and uh, my co-host, uh, John, is on the other side. Hey there everybody, how's it going? You know what's weird is I don't think I introduced ourselves on the last episode. I think I just skipped that over. Nobody cares who we
1: are, we're not special. Mm. <laughs> I'm now crying. Thank, thank you for thank you for making me not feel good about myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm,
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, edit in later, and we'll just be like, thank you for joining the episode, John. Thank uh, I am your host, Michael. <laughs> like an automated system. <laughs> Welcome to video night. Uh, so yeah, this one is a little bit longer because we're gonna discuss all four of Star Trek uh, Next Generation movies. Uh, the seventh one is the one where it's kind of a mixture of both. So I've never really truly counted as a next generation movie. Um, it's kinda of like just meeting of the two casts like the way Highlander Endgame was. Both movies, not very good.
1: <laughs> yeah, this and this has a lot of issues you know, I got a lot of issues with this film. But it's I it's one of those films where I at least I can appreciate how wonderful Malcolm McDowell is. <laughs> because it's like, he's not great in this film, but the, there are moments of absolute brilliance uh, with him, and then just kind of everything else around it just kind of there.
0: Yeah, this is kind of the revival for him, because I think in the 80s is when it kind of fell apart for him. The last, I think, big movie that he had done was the villainous role in Blue Thunder, which was a big hit. But then you look at the rest of his stuff, and it just kind of falls apart from there. And then he did this in Tank Girl back to back. Sadly, Tank Girl was a flop, even though I love it, and I think he's amazing it. Yeah, I, I think he's much better in Tank Girl book. than this because his sadistic level in that is just mm, delicious.
1: Yeah, here he's, he's just kind of playing this. He's just playing a bad guy, and oh, with a horrible, horrible gun. I hate.
0: I That's hate that so prop
1: ridiculous. weapon that he has. Oh my god, what a tiny little. It's like the noisy cricket but really shitty design work. <laughs> it's it's like someone wanted to go, "What what is the most nineties things we could have a villain do?" Oh, he's going to turn his gun sideways. Uh, but that we can't have the it doesn't work that so let's have the barrel turn like it defeats the purpose of it
0: right I don't even know how that works does it bounce up through a tube and then out I don't understand how that works this is the one that really tests my patience like I'm okay with the first hour even though the camera shook like a mofo during that first 10 minutes you know when the ship's falling apart and Alan Ruck is in it as the the crappy captain uh Cameron from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off if you don't know who Alan Ruck is that was that was my first uh, thing. I'm like, hey, look, it's Cameron. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And I remember just like the camera. I was like, oh, I have to look away. This is making me nauseous. You know, Kirk disappears to the timeline. You think he's dead. And we fast forward to the next generation. And it's fine for the first half hour or so of their story. And then oh, oh. it just, it feels like it just padded. Just, oh, this is being forced. Well, oh, my God, this is taking so long. Why I, the fuck is this still going? That's how I felt about the whole
1: movie. The thing that. Yeah, the thing that really I hate about aside aside from little there's things here. What I really hate is the emotion chip stuff.
0: Oh and, God, yeah, don't like, even I, get me fucking started. Oh, jeez, I forgot that was even in seven. You're now back yeah, to therapy. Thank that, you, it's John. A,
1: um, <laughs> it just it's so terrible. And there's this subplot uh, I had forgotten about, and I okay I don't remember next gen. That well at this point, I would have to rewatch rewatch things, but okay. The subplot, if I'm reading it right, it's Picard's nephew has died because there's a shot in his little fantasy world where he's seeing his his nephew and he's alive and he kind of has like a oh, "you're alive" sort of sort of reaction to this. So I'm taking his right that that was what the was what the death is, uh-huh. but. As I recall, his nephew was fine. The only time that we ever see him, so where the shit did that come from? <laughs> and, if it, and if it's if, if it's his brother who died, I, as I recall, even at the end of the episode, they kind of patch up a difference, but they're not besties as far as I can tell. So, just it's like this. There's a subplot here that informs a lot of Patrick Stewart's, you know, acting. But it it goes nowhere. It has nothing, you know, no real validity to anything I'm seeing. And then it just kind of ends. <laughs> it's, yeah, like, it, it's
0: so weird that this is such a weak entry because the show was going so strong and they had all these years to plan for a movie and, and they just flubbed it. you think they would have just had laid the groundwork like they did with X-Files. You know, they laid the groundwork for a couple seasons before they went into the movie and just Star Trek, it just seems like what script do we have that's left over that we can just try to mush it together and get both casts together? Which which actors agreed? Great, now we have to rewrite this, you know, rewrite it. You know, this person didn't agree to show up. And I was just like... I just It seems so mediocre. It seemed like it would be the end of the Star Trek series, not launching the next generation. Like, oh, we got nothing left, let's just spit this out, and see if people still watch it.
1: Well, in a way, it kind of was, because this is after the end of Next Generation, so they had Deep Space Nine going. I... I'm not entirely certain if Voyager had premiered at this point, but that was at least on going to be on the horizon, uh, if anything. So that's why, you know, you get the destruction of the Enterprise. And it's like, you know, they blow the shit out of this thing. And even though you kind of look at it and it's like, well, I mean, yeah, the little saucer section is rocked, but that's kind of, you know, it doesn't look like it's that bad. Someone could... You know, get get a big magnet, pick it up, stick it on the body of another ship. There you go. And they have to they have a little throwaway line where it's just, oh, it's we can't salvage it.
0: Yeah, you know what's funny is I remember like, being in art class and we were we we're discussing uh, Star Trek because the guy next to me was designing. This is like really early 3D animation that you could get like in a classroom. And he was developing the Enterprise. We started talking about Star Trek, and I was like, "Did you go see the new one?" And he started crying. And I was like, what is going on? Because I hadn't seen it yet. It had only been out for a few days. And he's like, they killed this Enterprise again! <laughs> and I looked at him I go, you know they can build a new one, right? It's technology. It's not life. And he's like, it doesn't matter. I love that ship. And I was like,
1: what in the hell? <laughs> I'll be honest. I, of, of the Enterprise designs, I do like the Enterprise D's design. I like, I just, I like how that ship looks. It even, like, looky as a model, it's just...
0: Yeah, but I you mean, wouldn't cry amazing. over it, would you? Oh, no. I was, I was just, like, flabbergasted. That. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to react here. I don't know what the right response is. <laughs> Please don't kill us all. <laughs> uh,
1: and one-sixth of this film's budget got went to uh, reshooting Kirk's death.
0: Oh, my cause... God. This is a low-budget movie, too. I'm a big-budget whore. Um, I always pay attention to what, bu- what a box office budget is. This was a $35 million movie, which is fairly high price because I was looking. So, if I remember correctly, the first, the motion picture cost $30 million. They saved a bunch of money by reusing a lot of the sets for cons. So that was 11 Then, Search for Spock was $18. 5 was, uh, I think they went back up to $30 million, but then it flopped. So, uh, um, damn it, what's six again? Undiscovered Country, right?
1: I'm- for me,
0: yeah. yeah, that one was 25 million dollars, and so you know I just kind of looking at how those budgets changed. Uh, by the way, the next one will jump from uh, 35, I believe, to 45, then to 60 for some fucking reason. <laughs> but yeah, 35 million in a sixth of that budget, which used, wow, that's that kind of makes sense now why the final action sequences took so fucking long because they're just padding it. Yeah,
1: and I mean, let's let's be honest. It's not a good action sequence either. anyway.
0: No, so God, I'm so boring. what Oh, look, a rock I
1: can climb under. Yay. <laughs> it's like, what it was, my God. Because it, it, apparently Kirk just kind of gets shot, and that's, that's kind of it. He just kind of goes out very unceremoniously, except until you see the film where he just kind of goes out kind of unceremoniously.
0: Yeah, I mocked it for years. Me and my friend would just joke about it. Like, it's been... <sighs> A fun. <laughs> Somehow it went from William Shatner to Jack Palance. I don't know how we end up doing that, but we did that with a lot of jokes. You know the joke in uh, Anaconda with John Voigt where he, uh, Ice Cube goes, Man, uh, snakes don't eat people. And John Voigt goes, Oh, they don't. And then for some reason it, over the years, me and my sister turn it to, Oh, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or, or Judge Dredd, we used to run around just yelling, oh.
1: I'm Law! <laughs> oh, come on. That's, I, I don't like that Judge Dredd movie, but Armando Sante is so great at out loaning stuff. So. Oh, my God. Law!
0: <laughs> 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 uh, I don't know. understand how some. It, it looks great and it has a decent moments in it, but like, oh, it's so good. Man, I'm not so sure you're watching the same movie I did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, what were we but, talking about again? Oh yeah, yeah.
0: sorry. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I feel like uh, Generations is a, is a bummer now. First Contact is fucking rad. Uh, that is like yes. a, the peak this, for me. It's my favorite next to Star Trek Three.
1: I, I'm actually having a hard. I used to go like, oh yeah, it'd be two eight six. Probably be like my favorite. If we go like my favorite films. Yeah. Or even best films. And now actually after watching six, I'm a little bit flip floppy on this at First Contact. Like God. Damn, first contact is so
0: good. It is, and it, it depends on my mood because sometimes eight is number is my favorite. I, I usually go three, eight, uh, six, two.
1: Okay. Yeah. Sorry, well, it's it's taken me a while. Uh, I
0: didn't yeah, like. I, think... I, I I think we discussed this before. Is I didn't like Khan for years because I thought it was hokey and uh, over the top. And then I watched it just recently. And I was like, oh, okay. You know what? That's a lot better. So I'll tell you what. Uh, a month ago, I wouldn't even add two to that list. It would have been like meh. Somewhere in the end.
1: But this one, this one is like a game changer for how Trek is, because I mean, for the most part, all these things are these sci-fi, you know, s- you know, future. All these things, even 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 Star Trek IV, even though it's set in a contemporary time setting, it's still it's still you have some weird. I still feel kind of futuristic stuff because it's Trek. Yeah. This one, because we have genuine, uh, even though it's in the future compared to us, it has, con- you know, not contemporary music, but modern pop music in a sense, because you have, oh god, what is it? Uh, Magic carpet ride, oh, isn't it? Yeah. You Steppenwolf, and you also had Ooby Dooby. Okay. Okay. So, so you're sitting there going, actual songs that you and I would recognize, because that punk song in part four doesn't count. That was written by the guy who's, who was playing the punk, Who's was like one of the executive producers or associate producers or something. <laughs> so, that doesn't count. This, I think, is the first Trek film that had, you know, again, quote-unquote, contemporary music. Right.
0: But it's also it's the first Star Trek to be really scary. Yes, there's moments in two and three, you know, like those, those giant worm monsters and the, the earwigs stuff like that, but this one is like the whole idea being it's almost like a zombie movie is what it is i think
1: yeah it's it's definitely a zombie movie it's alien it's a body horror film yeah okay uh, you know what before we get into last two because the last two you know eh. <laughs> uh my i i think i should i've been teasing this for things why why i think the go to even number films are better than the odd number films i was talking about how The odd number films are concepts. You know, you have... uh, Let's see, like, the first one is, you know, a creation looking for its creator. Uh, Trek 3 is... I I could come up with one for that one, but uh, Trek 5 is about... uh, Well, no, 3 uh, is about birth.
0: birth. It's Genesis. It's about birth and death. And then, you know...
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess that would be the best way. I was trying to... Because I was also getting... Yeah, it also has heisty elements in it, but the fifth one's about religion. It's about God is dead or a lie or things like that, because God, quote unquote, in this film ended up being an alien trapped on a planet. Uh, Generations is heaven is a place on earth, kind of, with the with the rift. Yeah, nine is about protecting nine is about protecting the fountain of youth. When you get to the even number ones, they're more like genre films because you have Star Trek Two, which is Das Boot, it's a submarine movie. with Well, a little plus bit, it's uh, also
0: about revenge.
1: A lot of them are emotional based.
0: You know, uh, Two is about revenge. Four is about hope.
1: Uh, it's, it's also it's a it, you know comedy. Trek Six is a political thriller.
0: Yeah, well, he's also like, about freedom. It's about escape. You know, uh, you know, trying to prove your innocence. You know, really basic, the common man can understand. Um, sometimes the concepts in the odd ones are a little heady and a little more difficult for your average Joe to yeah. get.
1: They're, they're, yeah, they're more of what you would associate with start you know, Yeah. If you're a hardcore tricker And, and an an eight hard, you know, is
0: be, the fear of losing it's oneself.
1: A, yeah, but it's, it's this alien film. It's a body horror film because you have, you know, be, they recall uh, when Picard becomes, uh, gets assimilated by the Borg and he's, you know, he's got... That in that opening shot where he's looking at himself in the mirror, and all of a sudden the thing pops out of his out of his face, and he kind of get oh shit for a second. Yeah.
0: Well, in this one also they they touch upon that chip again, the fucking hated chip, and thank God they go uh, uh data turn that off. He's like oh right, and was like oh thank God don't do it again.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we've got James Cromwell being a wonderful uh, douchey, uh, <laughs> douchey
0: uh,
1: <laughs> Uh, Alfred woodward Woodard is really good in this too yeah everyone is everyone is wonderful in this film everyone it's another film where even when technically there's not a lot for the cast to do when they're on the planet helping uh, rebuild for the first uh, warp engine test thing technically not a lot to do they're still given enough to do to be entertained
0: yeah, it's a lot of character pieces on Earth, um, which which helps. There's a, it's a levity between the dire uh, circumstances that are going up on the ship.
1: Yeah, and it was also, from what I understand, supposed to be switched originally, where Riker was on was on the ship and Picard was down on the planet. Huh. And they kind of, I think it was, uh, I want to say it was uh, Stewart just going, uh-uh, uh-uh. Nope. Yeah, it's
0: a much better she idea to go. have it the other way round because of his horror from earlier. Uh, and this is the first one that Jonathan Frakes directed, and it's it's amazing that he has not had a long-standing career in making films, because uh, this is a hell of a debut.
1: And uh, well, I think he I think it ended up just him going back to TV. And hell, he's a hell of a TV director.
0: So. Yeah, he's he did episodes up here actually for uh, I believe the Librarians. He directed up in
1: Portland. Wouldn't surprise me. That he gets around. Yeah. And it's always kind of fun just to see when his name pops
0: up. You know what? He did a movie I actually liked at the time. I haven't seen it since, so I don't know if it's any good. I want to say it was Clock Stoppers, Like, these kids had these little wristbands that could stop time, but they could only stop for a few seconds. It was a Nickelodeon movie. I remember it being really good, and and he directed that. That was kind of like the last thing
1: I remember him doing.
0: But, um, yeah, it's it's a really good... I know I never
1: saw that. What's that? I know I never saw that, but I think that has Patrick Stewart in it as, like, the villain. Oh. Oh,
0: okay, interesting. And uh, this is when, like, he starts getting a lot of work. You know, he had shown up in Gunmen, I think, before this, but really didn't get a whole lot of film work. And he became, like, the go-to for a really long time. Uh, like, Conspiracy Theory, he's the villain in. Um, of course, he's in the X-Men movies. He's just a lot of fun. And uh, I-, I think people underestimated how funny he was. And he shows up on Siren Live, like, a couple years prior to this. I think he was on certain Live for the... Uh, uh, for the '94, for generations, and it just—it's really, really funny episode.
1: Oh heck, that show that he did—I want to say it's for Showtime or HBO. The, where is the uh, the TV personality? That is hilarious. Oh, that's good.
0: Good to know. I, I haven't
1: seen that one name yet. It, yeah, the name—I I, the name is escaping me at the moment, but uh, off air we'll we'll look it up. I went to a double feature
0: yeah, of—I yeah. uh, went to a double feature of this and Jingle All the Way. And I watched them, uh, and <laughs> I know, just shut up. Uh, it's a thing we used to do during Thanksgiving, we see a double feature. And I remember walking out of uh, first contact, feeling so elated, like such a wonderful journey, and then seeing through Jingle all the way, going, what the fuck, Arnold? Are you just desperate to break the action mold so badly that you're just going to take anything? I mean, mind you, he was pregnant two years earlier in Junior,
1: so maybe he would take anything.
0: Starbomb, man! man! You know what?
1: You've now given me a wonderful way to uh, talk about Star Trek Insurrection. Okay. You want to know was up for the uh, main villain of Insurrection
0: oh, at one point? Are you, are you telling me Arnold Schwarzenegger? Are you telling me Arnold I'm Schwarzenegger?
1: I'm telling you Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, F.R. Abraham's character could have been Schwarzenegger.
0: I, 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 uh. I, don't know if,
1: I don't know if that would make that, make that film better or worse. Oh,
0: shit. How I mean, I imagine after getting paid $25 million for uh, uh, Mr. Freeze... I don't think anybody would want him showing up as a villain ever again.
1: Yeah, it. I I read that and went, "That's insane." I want if it's not true, don't let me know. I uh, yeah. I want to at least keep that as. I, a-
0: <laughs> I love the character actors that they get for these series because what they do is they'll pick an actor who is usually Shakespearean, who had a moment in the sun as a lead or a co-lead. And their career is kind of on the downturn, and they'll convince them to show up and put all this shitty makeup on and give a fucking great performance. They did it so many times. They did it with David Warner. They did it with Christopher Plummer. back there. Hey, kids, there was a time when Christopher Plummer had a hard time getting a job. Um, uh, who, who else we have? We have uh, uh, Anthony Zerbe's in this one, too, with F. Murray Abraham, both great actors who were kind of on the lower yeah. end of their uh, careers. And just like... That's how you do a Star Trek movie. you got to have a great villain. And I know you don't like this movie very much. I enjoyed it, even though I know it's a massive drop-down for First Contact. It's still, like just a, a, like you said, it's a very expensive episode. And I enjoyed it. I just i am okay with it. It's like a Western in space.
1: Well, I'm sitting there watching it going, this is boring. I mean, it's not Star Trek, the motion picture level of boring. But you would think if we're going to do a... We're fighting against our our own government to save these people from being uh, being pulled off, you know, off their, uh, you know, basically keeping the federation from invoking eminent domain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's, you know, I would expect it to be more interesting, and it's not. I don't know. I, I liked mean, it quite I, those, a bit,
0: but like you, you know, it's just uh, I think your expectations have to be lowered a little bit. Um, I'll tell you this: I was pissed off when they had Data say, settle up, lock and load." I was like, "Fuck you, fuck you, movie."
1: <laughs> it's it is. Oh yeah, Data and the kid. Though it's so bad. I mean, not not as not as cringe worthy as Generations
0: yeah, stuff. Yeah, oh God, Generations but zero, is yeah.
1: but but there is like at the end of the film they're. He's playing with the kid, and they're in little uh, haystacks. He's like, I have to go home now. And I'm just like, you suck.
0: Yeah, you know what's weird is look at the level of difficulty that builds up. So they must have seen 2 and 3 build up you know, with the drama and said 4 was huge because we lightened the tone. Um, and then 6 and 7 – oh, no, hold on. Let's pretend 7 doesn't exist anymore. 6 and 8 were pretty heavy. <laughs> 8 was very heavy because it's almost, like you said, a horror movie. Now, were they nervous, and, and that's why they did uh, uh, Insurrection this way, where it was much lighter in tone? Because you're right, it is a story that should be heavier. There, I mean, there's so much at risk. It should be a big, rebellious story. I mean, it does play a little too light, and uh, especially just the color palette. I was like, what? Um, but first, well, Contact, awesome. first Contact made a shitload of money, and then they, they just screwed up. They really screwed up with Insurrection by just going way too
1: light. Well, I think part of it should have been is the fact that our heroes are basically the space Amish. And, I don't know. very do I, do I really, Amish. Do I really, do I really want... Uh, do I really care if the space Amish get relocated to another planet? Uh, it Like, the, the... There's the... Why am I why am I trying to say? I don't know. Uh, the, the space in this film were never enough for me to actually get invested.
0: Yeah. Which is funny because the, the final one of this uh, Next Generation series, Nemesis, goes heavy again, goes Shakespearean again. And I don't hate it either, but I do feel like there's something missing. I, I really enjoyed it the first time I saw it, and I was actually really pissed off because, like, fucking idiots at Paramount, they released it, like, the week before, Lord of the Rings, and then it collapsed the second week. What are they doing, man? They're trying to destroy the franchise. And I watched it this last time, I go... Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of problems with this movie. I still enjoyed it, but I was just sitting there going, Oof, no, no, ah, oof. You know, the whole time it's like yeah. that's a bad decision, bad decision.
1: Yeah. uh as bad as Data with the emotion chip. fuck is. you. Shut up, shut he up. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm throwing my you Pringles lid at you world. right now. No, it's almost as bad, though. See, that's the part I hate about the movie. I was like, just fucking kill Data. If you're gonna kill Data, kill Data. He even said, I read a lot of old Star Logs and stuff like that, and he was talking about the fact that it was gonna be his last entry in the series because he was getting long in the tooth it's gonna be hard to pull off being a cyborg. And then he goes and does that. And I was like, you didn't, didn't, what? Now you're playing even like no. mentally younger version, and yet you're still aging. You didn't kill off Data. You should have killed off Data and made it matter,
1: damn it. Well, that was that was the original play. He wanted to die in nine, and the, you know, he's supposed to be killed off fairly early on, because you know, oh, he's a malfunctioning cyborg. We need to.
0: Oh a yeah yeah, because I forgot they start off with him uh, as a rogue.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, he ended up. They didn't do it, so. This time around, it became, I want to die.
0: So do you think they forced him, they forced everybody to go, look, everybody loves Data, you can't kill him off like they did with Spock. And I was like, well, it doesn't work the same, because Spock actually can age with with Leonard Nimoy. Data, you can't do it. I mean, what are they going to do next? Like, oh, we're going to install an aging chip. Shut up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at some point, you have to get rid of them, so... But then they gave themselves a backdoor into uh, bringing them back. by. Yeah. But it does you know, seem like yeah, it was yeah, we...
0: kind of time to wrap it up. It does seem like, you know what, 4 is good. Why does everybody need to make a series go on forever and ever and ever? There's other Star Trek stories you can tell. And uh, I almost feel like it was meant to be, that Nemesis needed to be the end.
1: Now, one of the big problems with this film is that Stuart Baird, who Ooh. would have directed Die Another Day if this had not uh, happened he and the cast did not get along and apparently he knew nothing about trek and didn't oh, really trees. give a shit jesus and basically was it, i guess i guess he he lost out die another day and got and got this as a rebound is kind of how i'm reading it because he was kind of pissy about it
0: well i'm trying the to remember Stuart, to before this Stuart baird was a warner brothers guy He had done U.S. Marshals, which was a fugitive sequel, and Executive Decision, both successful movies, critically well-received, but not massive. He was an editor um, of action movies. I think he did a lot of Richard Donner films. What is it about... Okay, hold on. So MGM does Bond. So maybe he was just done with Warner Brothers, and he was just out there as a gun for hire then? And that's why he took Star Trek. It does seem like an odd fit because he's more action-driven. And Star Trek, Star Trek has been more emotional, uh, 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 cerebral kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Like this one is ends up being a mashup of two and six because you kind of have some con stuff and you have this political intrigue stuff. But it never gels. Yeah. And apparently also Nicholas Meyer... Was actually asked to uh, direct,
0: oh. but Nicholas
1: Meyer looked at the script and said, "We need to rewrite this." And apparently, uh, uh, Rick Berman, the uh, producer on it, refused on refused that because he had already promised John Logan, the main writer on this, full control of the screenplay. So Meyer turned it down.
0: Yeah, it's weird. John Logan so had we... just come off Gladiator, so he had a lot of power, and I just. I mean, did he know star trek i mean why did he want to do it he had to have been a star trek fan I, i'm assuming
1: i would assume if if not at least maybe they're maybe they were friends i mean yeah. who knows but it it feels like there was there definitely could have been a better version of this film and...
0: it, 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 it does have interesting villains um i really like ron perlman as like the telepath bat creature um that was fun Oh, I can't tell you what the fuck Tom Hardy is saying half the time because he's full on method acting. <laughs> Are you Marlon Brandoing this? Are you seriously going to Brando this?
1: <laughs> poor, poor Tom Hardy. This was supposed to be his his big break, and yeah. it it did not go well for him after that. He it, did it a broke. good movie
0: called, and no one remembers this because it got sold to Sci-Fi Channel, but it was a British horror movie called The Minotaur. And uh, I think it was like a $5 million horror movie whatever. And I thought it was really entertaining. He was exciting. I didn't know who the fuck he was at the time because he didn't look anything like he did in Nemesis. And then all of a sudden he pops up with like 50 pounds of muscle in uh, uh, Inception. And I was like, who is this guy? I looked him up. I was like, oh, he's been around for a while. He was in Nemesis?
1: <laughs> yeah. People definitely don't really remember that. And, I mean, he's not bad. I, I, for me, at least, I don't think he's bad. I think he's fine. He, Ron Proman's great. It's just kind of, yeah. I feel like it's every kinda...
0: story about the original cast had been told, and there was nothing new ground. There's just, I mean, it's like I was just tired of. Look, Star Trek: The Original Series only had three seasons. You didn't, you you barely got to tap into it. Next Generation, what was seven seasons? I, by then, you know, just I feel like they just got everything they could out of the characters, and uh, it, it was just time to wrap
1: it up. Yeah, you need... It's what what is left to tell with these people. And that's that the same thing where it goes, you don't really have... Uh, I guess the sequel that would have followed this would have brought together Voyager and DS9 cast with the Next Generation cast. So you kind of would have like this huge thing with all that. But, I mean, what the hell else was there to say? You already you basically had your last, uh, with Deep Space Nine basically had an entire engaging movie as like, it's what fifth and sixth seasons with the Dominion war stuff. Yeah,
0: I never, I, I've you literally like, never seen a single episode of Deep Space Nine or Voyager, which makes me feel like a, a jackass because I feel like I should have watched them. I watched a little bit of enterprise we, and I was like, I tried this four times and now I can't do this.
1: <laughs> yeah. DS nine's a good, is a good series. Like, Like uh, Next Generation, the first couple of seasons are a little rough. But, uh, like, there's one of the most fucked up things in watching Nemesis, uh, not Nemesis, uh, Insurrection again. After having, uh, I've watched Deep Space Nine a little more recently. And where it uh, we come out for Worf, where he comes out from in Deep Space Nine, is his wife dies. He is... He has recently become a widower, and the woman that he was banging at the end of uh, of Next Generation is now seeing the seeing the her ex. So his ex is now banging her ex.
0: Really? Are we already use are we gonna use in 2019? We're gonna use banging? Really? <laughs>
1: yes, I am. Oh. <laughs> yes, I'm. Because these are old old shows and movies, so oh. it it's applicable. All right.
0: I didn't, I didn't. I didn't. know that Worf even was on Deep Space Nine. Did he join the show as a regular cast member?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, technically, after Generations, that's where uh, he goes from that to become a series regular on that show. Is that
0: why, in Insurrection and Nemesis, he doesn't feel like he's part of the core group anymore? I, I, that's okay. That's why it felt so cool.
1: weird. In First Contact, uh, the ship that he's on was actually is actually a ship from. Deep Space Nine that apparently they were going in the film they were gonna destroy it and then the Deep Space Nine people were like, Fuck you you, <laughs> you can't destroy it.
0: Yeah, um I don't I
1: almost feel like
0: Deep Space Nine and Voyager were not popular enough to get you know, and just to get movies based on them. I can see maybe a really high-budget TV movie once a year, like they did with Alien Nation. Like, hey, once a year we'll do a $10 million Star Trek movie. That seems like it could have been a good idea. But to sink I mean, by this point, I think Nemesis costs 60 maybe $70 million. So Star Trek was getting kind of pricey. I just don't see them putting that much money into you know, a Voyager movie.
1: Well, Deep Space Nine is a very... I don't want to say a limited concept for a series, uh, for, for a movie because they got seven seasons out of it with an entire war being part of it. But it are you ever going to watch the show? I should ask. That um, you know what? I, yeah, I'm gonna I'm
0: gonna watch it now, and I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna watch Deep Space Nine okay. and Babylon Five at the same exact time <laughs> and just compare the two okay. unfairly.
1: <laughs> okay. Then, then I won't I will I won't go where it ends because I did not like where it ends, but I guess if you did a deep space nine movie, you would have to address the finale and and fix and basically take you from that point. Uh, Voyager would really work unless you did a story while they're lost in the Delta quadrant because they get home at the end. Sorry for a spoiler on that one, but they get home. She showed, you know, Janeway shows up in 10. So they, by that point, you would have to at least assume that they make
0: it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's it, huh? Uh, I guess we'll be back for another episode with the new trilogy. I don't think it's going to go beyond the trilogy. There's been a lot of problems, even though I, I still enjoy them. I want, I want the series to continue. I'm sure they'll find some way to keep Star Trek going, but right now we have, uh, what, what's the new series? Odyssey or something like that? Oh, uh, Discovery. Discovery, thank you. Um, anything else you want to say I about the next to... gen before we go?
1: Uh, no, I think I'm tapped out on the stuff for for next gen.
0: Cool, I guess. all right everybody check us out on facebook under video night and uh we'll be back uh soon for the final episode of the star trek focus and uh have a good night we'll see you then